Welcome to Due to the Current Situation, a podcast about the art world, friendship, and everything in between. I'm Whitney Lamora, curator, producer, and immersive artist. And I'm Denise Young, relational artist and curator. And this week's episode, we're talking all about common curatorial paths. Ooh. Very exciting. Which path will you choose? Yes, which path chooses you? Oh. To choose or be chosen. Exactly. Or choose your own adventure. I loved those. I loved those books growing up. Yeah, those were cool. Which, I mean, it's probably why we do the work that we do today. (laughs) Because every moment of our practice is like, you choose the next, you choose where this is going. I'll just ride the wave. Exactly. I know the end, but here's the middle. You can choose the middle. There you go. Um, Yeah. But before that. Let's, let's, uh, let's catch up. Hello. Hi. How are you? I know. How's it going? What's been, what's, it's been so long since I've talked to you. It's just been minutes almost, one would say. <laughs> the inside jokes. Anyway. Um, okay. Well, I'm still riding the high a little bit because I went to the Cubs Cardinals baseball game last night at Wrigley Field. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, the tickets were a birthday gift from my beloved. Um, I grew up in the St. Louis area as I've established before and, um, being a Cardinals fan was not really a choice. Um, and (laughs) I embraced it. And so even though I don't like track baseball anymore, I don't like follow it at all. Uh, I was, you know, I played softball growing up. I was, it's very much a huge part of the culture and I've just, I have, a, I have a cardinal tattooed on my body. Like it's a whole thing. And so Cubs and Cards are rivals. And so moving to Chicago, never been able to, to, to go to the Cubs side. Uh, but I do love seeing Cubs Cards games here. And so, so we got me tickets. We went, um, her family also decided to go to the game. Uh, they sat somewhere else, but we all... Uh, we have family in from out of town. Uh, so we all met up and had a couple drinks and went to the game. They all made fun of me because I was the only one in a car- in a Cardinals jersey. And the joke was on them because we won, baby. What? <laughs> yeah, it was so much fun. And we had such good seats. So we got us like incredible seats. Um, and man, if a baseball game is not the best people watching outside of an airport, I don't know what is. Oh, truly. Sports people all walks of life, all f- so much food, beverage, uh, the clothing, um, the, <laughs> I mean, we were also, we had this really unique, uh, these seats that were like right on the, the like end of a path basically. So there was like, ours was the last seat on kind of like the second level up. And so we were just like the main path for every single vendor. So just watching all night, like the different sales techniques some vendors go by singing. Some b- vendors have just yell in octaves that are too high, too loud. Um, and yeah, it was, it's just like a lot. And, you know, I thought a lot about our episode around approaching the world as an artist, you know, and, uh, you know, not only paying attention to essentially these performers, uh, which is what salespeople are, Um, but also just like the production of a baseball game. Like, I just want to know so much more about it. Like all the games, all the stats, all the replays, like you have to be, there has to be like such a massive team that's working so quickly 
it's, it's really, it's incredible that it happens at all and that it happens every, almost every single day. Like it's, it's just so overwhelming. And, and as like a production, I think it's just, it's not given enough credit for how much of a production every single sports game <laughs> is, you know? Truly. Yeah. And how much goes into them? I feel like the production, like the, like the entertainment value is high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just wild. And, you know, going to like my first couple of bowls games, um, since moving here were, were like my first professional basketball games ever. And that stadium is so overwhelming. I mean, it's just like song and dance and lights and confetti and the mascot and, oh yeah, the game. And then a, a game over and then a giveaway and then a dance. And then, oh, here, fi find the hidden basketball, like just <laughs> nonstop in your face. <sighs> Entertainment for like two straight hours. And then they're like, go out into the world. See ya. It's wild. That's so funny that you say that because it reminds me. So my, I got Red Sox tickets uh, because I went to school in Boston. And the first time I went, I took my best friend who like grew up in Boston, but had never been to like a Red Sox game. Mm -hmm. And she, we we like came into, you know, how like in the baseball stadiums, you like kind of are in these tunnels and then you come up to the field. She came up to the field and just immediately started weeping because she was oh. just like so overwhelmed about like how beautiful like it was and like how overwhelming the experience was. And I was like, this is the best moment ever. Like take an artist to a baseball game and they just start crying because oh. of like, <laughs> how like powerful like the bigness that you're a part of this thing is it was really cute yeah I mean one of my favorite Chicago memories uh is and I might have already told the story on the pod but if not if I did I'm saying it again um I <laughs> I moved here in 2009 and I uh had the opportunity to be on the, or like one of the kind of original runs of the Bye Bye Liver sketch comedy show that's still playing today. Like y'all go, you just are just crushing it forever. Um, and it was this like sketch comedy show that we did in a bar and it was like not really in my wheelhouse, but I got cast, which is great. Um, and we had one of our first rehearsals at IO, the original IO in Wrigleyville. And it was way before, like Wrigleyville has changed so much since I've been here. It's just like, it's like baseball city USA up there. It's like wild, but it was much more understated when, when I was there in 2009. So I got out of, so I, I took like transit, like a bus up to, uh, up to IO. And then on my way home, it was like, okay, turn around, turn the corner, take the red line back wherever I was going, I guess, wherever I was going home or whatever. And I'd never walked to Addison and um, whatever, Clark. Um, so I never, I was walking up Clark, I guess, to turn onto Addison and I'd never walked that before and turned the corner and there was the stadium. And I literally gasped out loud and like stopped at my tracks because I was not anticipating the stadium right there in the middle of the neighborhood. And right now it's that anybody hears this who like knows it now would be like, you are a liar. Like this is, it's, it's just everything in Wrigleyville now is like, this is where the stadium is, you know, but before it was just like, oh yeah, you turn the corner and you're like, oh, there it is. Um, whereas in St. Louis, I mean, you have to take such highways to get there. It was like really separate. It's this whole thing. Um, it's downtown. Um, and so, yeah, I just, that was like a, a magical Chicago moment that I'll never, obviously I'll never have again because I know where it is, but that we don't really have anymore in this city, you know, and that's a bummer. 
I love that. I, I haven't, it's not, it wasn't as magical, but I did, I was up in Wrigleyville doing something recently and I did turn and I was like, <gasps> cause I also happened upon it, but I was driving and I just forgot it was there, but it was pretty like beautiful. And I was like, this is a great, this is great that this just exists here. Yeah. It's just there. And then we walked down and we got to drink at Guthrie's, uh, which is, uh, an old, like classic Wrigleyville bar and we got there like we we timed it perfect like by the time we walked in there were still bar seats and stuff so we sat down and had a drink and Guthrie's is like a COVID miracle because they along with oh we were just by City Lit Books yesterday too both of those were businesses that were like we are over because of COVID and then got to have a second chance and second life and reopen and you know we were we basically lost Guthrie's and then we got to have a drink there last night you know so um, that feels a small miracle, you know, that's awesome. Take that COVID. Ha ha. You suck. <laughs> In case no one's ever told you, you suck. Yes. How are you recovering from being out of town? Our, uh, multi-state performer goddess. Tell us about yeah. Austin. Austin was awesome. Uh, big shout out to Mary Beth Menace and her hospitality. She was so kind in opening up her home and her life to me. It was really great. Um, it was a really cool trip. Uh, shout out to the barbecue I ate. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Dennis, we do shout outs at the end. So I'm sorry. I forgot how this works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Austin was really cool. It was really cool experience to be like valued by a patron so much so that they're like, let me fly you out to my house to do a performance. And let me also buy your piece and show all my friends and create an event around it. And let's just like feast on this like amazing food from this really cool restaurant. And it was just really cool. And like someone cried at the performance, which is always really powerful. Just always reassuring that the work that you're doing is making a difference. So it was a very encouraging trip. So tell us how it was structured because when we recorded, uh, previously you were getting ready to like, it was the same day you were getting ready to do the party. So, I mean, a hundred percent of people didn't just like stare at you while you shredded emotions, like, <laughs> or did the, like, was there other things going exactly on? Like, that. that's exactly what happened. Everyone just stood around. No. Um, basically Mary Beth had said an invitation, like, if you have something artistically that you want to share, bring it along. So it was kind of like a show and share type of salon conversation so people came in there was food and beverage we had like wine and we had made all we had like the stuff to make old fashions so people got to like make mix their own cocktail and then they had a moment with me shredding emotions while also kind of mingling at this party amongst other people and everyone was dressed in monochrome like monochromatic outfits which is cool so I was like part of the attire so there were some like conversation starters there and it was mostly people who like didn't know each other, but like mm. Mary Beth and I were sort of the glue to the group. So that was really fun. And basically once everyone shredded emotions and ate food, we kind of had like the part where everyone else shared. So like one woman sang a song, Mary Beth shared some poetry. There were some other like elements to the evening. People like went around and talked about like my friend who came, she's like a seamstress and She's like a mom and a watercolorist. And she talked a little bit about that. And other people were like, I'm here, but I don't want to sing, but I do that. And then we had these great people who vogued these two, uh, like Austin superstars who vogued and like showed face, which was really cool. And so they were like teaching a voguing 
like moves. Um, yeah, it was really awesome. Did you Vogue? I did not Vogue. I did most of the recording. I wanted to keep the Voguing, uh, an archive of their Voguing. So I, nice. I took the video. Yes. Nice. Um, you also did a little more AV work. I did. I did some <laughs> tiny, like, I was like, this is where this is going. I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it was, I was leading you because if you were like, yeah, I filmed a whole thing or whatever, but yeah, tiny mic, tell us. Yeah. So I took out the, whipped out the tiny mic as, as it's been a fan favorite that everyone's like, when's the tiny mic coming back out? So I asked people in Austin what the scene, the art scene was like. And this is a group that I think some of them are involved in the art scene. Other than, others of them are new to it or had, have just moved to Austin or are experiencing the art scene kind of for the first time. And so it was a very fun conversation. Whereas like the Vogers are like, this is the art scene. This is ballroom. This is who we are. So you can take a little listen into what the tiny mic sounded like. Yeah, let's hear a little sample of uh, the people at the party. Okay, what would you say the Austin art scene is like? Well, okay, so it depends on the kind of art scene that you're talking about, because I'm very embedded in the film scene in Austin. I'm a filmmaker, and so I think what's interesting is that um, when I moved here, it was really hard to find my people, Um, but it's kind of like you have to search a little bit harder, I think, to find your people in Austin than maybe a city like Chicago or New York. But then once you find them, they're just... Um, so supportive of anything that you want to do. I think that's the thing that I found and one of the reasons why I'm still here. Can you tell us a little bit about the, sh- the Austin art scene? Tonight was my first night at the Austin art scene. Whoa, am I the art scene here? Yeah. <laughs> you brought the art with you. You're the art scene too because you're a maker. Yeah, I mean I've seen some of the fabric stores, some of like the knitting stores, but as far as like the deep art scene, I have little kids. So I, I do art at home. That's perfect. We need those artists. Can you tell me about this art scene here in Austin and how you're a part of it? Because I think you're a big deal here. Yeah. I feel like I'm a big deal. No, you definitely are a big Tell the people who you are. So I'm Chocolate Valentino in the House of Lepore. Um, I moved to Austin a year ago, and I feel like I'm Hannah Montana to live a double life. Yes. Molly starts that day and Hannah Montana at night. <laughs> I'm a part of the Vogue community and also the drag community, which is the probably the most biggest part of Austin's culture is their drag and their pride. We just marched to the new awesome stadium and we did a pride march and we had a drag performance on the soccer field. So it's that big here in Austin. Like everybody's connected. We dance, we vogue, we show our face, we runway model and we just let it all out. And it helps me distress. So I'm never like overthinking. Just feel good to be a part of like the whole community. That's awesome. That's really cool. What's your favorite part about being a part of this community? It's teaching me to be me. So that's the best part. Like, I feel comfortable in my skin and everything that I do. So that's the best part. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for being here tonight. Of course. What is the art scene like here in Austin? Um, Extremely pervasive. And I think it kind of flows through the entire city, if that makes sense. It's not just the murals, but the people and the events. It's um, so interesting how integrated the city is into art. And I think that it's, uh, I don't know, I think it's beautiful. 
Okay, what is this art scene like here in Austin and how are you a part of it? Um, the art scene here in Austin is pretty awesome. I'm a part of it via ballroom wise. I think the ballroom has like a very big, plays a big part of the art scene here in Austin. It's very uh, commutative. I love how it's so um, together. Everybody's very supportive. Yeah. I'm so glad you're a part of the scene here. Thank you, me too. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thanks for doing that. That was great. Yeah, they're really sweet people who showed up and a lot of cool, like Mary Beth's closest friends, which is an awesome, uh, well, closest friends and then like friends that she like knows from like the beauty counter and like other friends who she like met the day before at a coffee shop. Like just, she's just a connector and she's the queen of woo. Like she could, she oozes the power of woo. <laughs> she can woo people. Oh, that's great. I mean, it sounds like, as you said, and we chatted a little bit, you know, a lot of a lot of the folks who were at the party, it was a mix of experiences in the art scene. Um, and I know you were only there for a couple of days, but did you get like a sense of uh, similarities or differences between the Chicago art scene and like what's happening in Austin? Unfortunately, I didn't get a ton of time to like dive in, which was, I think, just not the way the trip was structured this time around. But um I think Austin has a pretty booming art scene from what I've heard. Yeah. I just didn't get to experience a ton of it, but the downtown was like super cute. Um, the library was awesome. <laughs> you went to the library? I went to the library. I made Mary Beth update her library card. I was like, you're sleeping. You're sleeping on the library. Come on, folks. Do not sleep on the library. It is the best. We've said it. We've said it before. And we'll say it again. Exactly. Don't yeah. sleep on the library. Well, we're glad to have you back. We missed you and congrats on your first Austin performance of Done and Done. Thank you. I'm grateful to have done and done it. Oh, wow. That's really good. <laughs> um, let's hop into our topic about common curatorial paths. Yeah. Where you've probably, you've executed most all of these paths we're going to talk about today. No brags, but probably. Just huge flex. Literal I've definitely flex. <laughs> literal flex. You can't see it, but she's she's flexing and she has big guns. No. Big guns. I was we gonna say big anymore. biker muscles, but that's not you don't get muscle arm muscles from biking. A little bit. I mean from like overall tone and definition, but no, mostly from from picking up weights and putting them down. Again. Tone and definition. Um, tone I know and nothing about that. Tone and definition. <laughs> cool. Let's talk about open calls. What is, what is, what is an open call, my friend? Yeah. So an open call is typically when you are, uh, it's kind of like as it sounds. <laughs> so, um, you can do, I, I have open calls that are just, um, open all of the time, uh, on the Martin website. So I always have an open call for the Robin. Um, I always have an open call right now for the split rail dining room feature, um, and technically I always have a open call for, uh, exhibitions, solo shows, group shows, uh, duo shows, anything like that. I have an open call for. So to me, that means I am always interested in taking app applicants. Um, and some artists may like that. Some artists may not, um, 
Connor Young, a huge reason why he was just featured in my last show is because he submitted for an exhibition uh, under my uh, open calls on, in the exhibitions page on the Martin website. And we'll link in the show notes, like if you're in the Chicago area or even, I don't know, maybe if you're not, I've taken some out of state works before. Um, you can see what that's like and apply if you would like. Uh, but yeah, I'm always taking submissions. And so um, the more, the better. Um, you know, I usually put on the call, you know, you, what, what are you looking to do? When are you looking to do it? Do you have any, do you have any times you're not able to feature this work? Um, if you've already promised it to another gallery or if you're going out of town or something, um, generally who you are, where I can find you on the internet, if you have a portfolio that I can look at all of that. So I'm just constantly collecting submissions. And from there, I'm able to curate in what I think is best and what I'm most interested in or curious about. Um, and sometimes you might submit for something, at least in the case of the Martin, and I don't think it's a great fit for what you've submitted for, but you might be a great fit for another initiative. So that's what I mean by open call. Yeah, I was just thinking, uh, I was like, oh, explain, you've probably done all of these. And I'm like, I've probably applied for all of these, which is like a really funny dynamic. But yeah, open calls are a great way to be a part of group shows, or I think a lot of open calls also have themes, which are really fun. So some of your calls have had um, specific kind of frameworks to be how you know you're going to be juried up against or what the criteria kind of looks like. Yeah, I think I would define them a little bit differently between an open call, at least how I see like an open call where it's just like it's it's a call that's that is just always open. Um, and anything that I've had that's more theme driven is open in the sense of I'm open to anyone submitting. Uh, but, you know, it's within this time frame that the submission process is open and then this is specifically what I'm looking for. So I guess for the split rail feature, it, well, I guess, and for the Robin, um, it is, it's specific in size. So for split rail, I'm looking for two large pieces and for the Robin, I'm looking for something that can be really small. So there is that kind of structure in that, but otherwise I think, I don't know. I don't know if there would be a different name for like a like focused, like a focused or like show by show call, you know, I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, at least the way that I do it, you know, I, I believe in not having a paywall in front of submissions. Like I understand that a lot of galleries use that in order to pay their jurors and um, you know, I don't take extra money from going through the curatorial process. Um, I just, I want, I want as many people as possible to submit their work. Um, so yeah, I also know some galleries and some um, otherwise artistic spaces have periods of time during the year that they have an open call. Um, so, so yeah, if you're, if you're someone who's, who's really interested in trying to get into a certain space, you know, maybe ask if they ever have periods of open calls or um, when the next call will be. Always join the mailing list. That's the best way to find out. Don't rely on social media, y'all. Ooh, yeah. Shout out to mailing lists. Um, <laughs> I'm just breaking all the rules today. I'm so sorry. Yeah, we are uh, just rocketing ahead to the shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next one we want to talk about is about when someone invites you to, uh, to have an exhibition, which is really cool. Like Mary Beth invited me to her home to have this show and to show off my work and to she she bought a piece called it's for you which is an interactive sound piece so 
that's a really cool way to um, show off your work too as being invited, which I, how do you invite artists into your space? Well, a lot of the times it is through these submissions, um, you know, the, the opening, like the open call submissions. Um, and then sometimes it's just like, I see someone out in public and I just want to have a conversation with them and I want to invite them in. Um, you know, a lot of times I do, because I do want to continue with at least how the Martin is structured right now, really like, I, I don't want to say like, oh, I have an open call, but I never use it, you know? So I really think that, I mean, that would suck if I'm just like collecting information or whatever. And I'm like never pulling from that. Well, I want people to feel like there is an opportunity there. So I try to find a good balance between pulling from my submissions, honestly, like when I'm in a crunch, um, you know, much like when I, when I decided to halt the locust project, I had to fill that spot pretty quick. And so I went to my submissions first. Um, and, and that's how we ended up with, with Connor's show, but you know, sometimes, uh, and, and I've talked before how, you know, Millicent is in the Robin right now and I love her work and I would have invited her to do this anyway, but I, I just like, couldn't fill this spot. Nobody was like ready for August. I don't know. Everyone's like, I want to do November. Um, so I'm like, I need somebody now. Um, so inviting people in to do that, I think is great. I think what becomes complicated is it all depends on what you're asking of the artist. Like, it's a lot. It was, it was a lot of me to ask Connor, like, Hey, do you want to have a solo show in like three weeks? Like if you're not ready for that and and he submitted for a solo show. Right. Um, but it probably would have been a little bit easier for him if he had like two or three months. Uh, but instead we had basically a month. Um, it's tough financially. It's tough. You know, if, if you just don't have that stuff ready. So, um, that's really not my MO. It was just like specific to this, to this time period. But, um, otherwise, you know, for little things here and there, like I'll just pull in friends who like, I know can get the job done. And that's, that's, uh, that's kind of the, the most, the, the most way that I just like specifically invite and pull, pull people in right now. But, but I feel like this has happened to you quite a bit and especially with the done and done project. So, you know, I'm curious when someone invites you to do something, how do you determine if it's worth it for you or what kind of questions do you ask? Like, how do you respond? Um, Cause nobody, I'm, nobody's really asking me to do anything yet. So <laughs> you tell us. Yeah. So I think when people ask me to do it, my first kind of thing is like, let me check my calendar, which my therapist often tells me to do um to check my availability and to actually like create time and space to be like is this something I want is this something I desire and then I think a lot about like the relationships it can build like is it building a relationship um to a new audience or to a new kind of entity like for with Chicago plants I was like yes because this is going to build into a new audience and to create more partnership with like a shop that I really care about and people that I really care about um yeah, I think it depends too on like what people compensation they're offering. Um, if there's like some kind of exchange of, it's not just for like work for free too. Um, so I'm sort of thinking about that often. Yeah. Do you, 
what about agreements? Are you, are you an agreement stickler? Are you a handshaker? Are you uh, this email exchange is good enough? Like what, where are you? <laughs> email. I need to get a little bit better probably with agreements. I need to learn from you and do some contract work, but um, yeah, I think sometimes the handshake is enough or the like email or text exchange, depending on who it is, is enough. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot, like uh, Edra always says, there's a lot of spontaneity in the arts. And that's what kind of keeps it fun and interesting. So I, I think I try to keep my, I'm not like, oh, my schedule is wide open for spontaneity, but um, definitely trying to hold space loosely for things that are happening and opportunities. But it, it does surprise me and sort of bless me anytime anyone is like, will you bring your work here? I think I'm often like, me? <laughs> you want my work? Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I think you hit it kind of on the on the nose. Is that what you say? On the head, nail on the head. Uh, hit it on the nose. Hit the nose on the nail head. Um, you got it. You nailed it. Uh, you know, is it is it worth my time? And I think that is really hard to determine when you have the the pleasure of being asked to do something. You know, and. Um, I think it can be really exciting and feel like, Ooh, I'm really special and I'm doing thing and I deserve it. And that's true. Uh, but it can get, it can get like lost in this, like, Oh wait, Oh, I really don't have time for this. Oh, this is, you know, it's, it's not exactly what I'm trying to do or whatever. And I'm not saying any of this for any of the performances you've had just more in a general sense of like trying to determine what is, what is worth your time and what isn't is, is really challenging when you're, when you're being asked of it. But my greatest advice to anyone is if there is going to be either guaranteed or or like potential money involved, get it in a contract. Even if you even if you type something up that's like John Smith has agreed to pay Jane Smith um, one hundred dollars for this performance within two weeks after the performance. Sign here. Sign here. Like, oh. I think my power just came back on. Alexa's talking in the living room. P.S. The other night, all of a sudden, she said, good night, sleep well. It was like 1030 in the morning. It was 1030 in the morning, and she said, good night, sleep well. So this may be the last that you hear from us. That's all I'm saying. If I end up murdered, it was Alexa. Gosh. Anyway, we're back. So <laughs> just even as something something simple as that, like, will really protect you a little bit and professionalize the exchange, you know? And even if it's just with a bestie or whatever, if anything, it's, it's even better with a bestie and we can do a whole, we can do a whole episode on contracts, but we were talking about this uh, just this weekend where I don't send anybody, I don't hire anybody indefinitely. And I do that for both of our, um, you know, both of our like freedoms and well beings and feeling like we both have, a way to constantly check in and say, is this agreement still working for us in whatever forms? Um, and I think, and it's not because I ever want anyone who I'm just now hiring to say, I don't think you're going to work out in three months. You know, it's more to professionalize it and say, we both have an opportunity in three months to say, are we both still digging this? You know, this is, this is like, I could, I could talk all day about it, obviously, but yeah, if you're, if you are going to exchange money or if you're going to be receiving money in any sort of way, please, Put it in writing. And if you're giving away your artwork, protect it. 
protect it because if you have just a verbal agreement and then it verbally gets broken <laughs> yeah and then your shit gets broken it's not good you know so um yeah again now we're just now we're just making a contracts episode so we can get back on it but um I love that. yeah so yeah in, invitations are are great invitations are cool they're I'm often like want to be on the side of inviting people there's something about the power of invitation that I think is really beautiful when you acknowledge someone and then you're so excited that they can come in to your space or yeah into your world and do something of value for other people yeah I mean I formally invited both Damien and Jennifer to be my represented artist for the for this year and that was a conversation that was like so intimidating to me you know I was just like sweating um because I'd never asked anyone that before and it's like at least you know agree to work with me for at least a year Damien I at least knew for the last couple years but we never really extensively worked together. We'd done a couple events together and we hired him to do the mural in the bathroom. Uh, but Jennifer, I just saw her artwork at the other art fair and I like bought her a drink and like got to know her for a little bit with the intention of pitching it to her. Cause I think she, her work is so awesome. Um, and that was basically like, listen, we've just been talking for the last 30 minutes. You don't know me from anybody, but this is what I kind of want to do next year. And if you're interested in that, like I want it to be with you. Um, and then I sat there and pitched myself to her, you know, and, and I would hope that, um, you know, I, I would hope that she, and both the conversations with Damien and Jennifer, we had follow-up conversations. They, I sent them contracts. They, uh, you know, asked a lot of really smart questions, protecting themselves, protecting their artwork. You know, basically they were like, I don't want 100% of what I create. To, for you to own next year. And I was like, me either, that would be whack. Um, you know, so clarifying that together was, you know, really made it feel like we were in this together. So um, yeah, I mean, that was that was a big fat invitation. And they, they also kind of get the opportunity because in my agreements for, um, at least for, for this year's represented artists, they get an opportunity and an invitation to be in every single group show. So they constantly get invited, which is like kind of fun. And I think I would like if I was on the other side of it. So that's how I structure it. That's a huge opportunity. I think that's a really cool way to get involved. Do you know for other galleries um, how represented artists work or is it often an invitation? Like can you, um, apply? Like, can you apply to be a represented artist? I really have no idea. Um, I really don't know. I base so much of, of what I structured mine around um, just from talking to my friend, Pam Marlene Taylor, who um, is having a solo show with me in October. Uh, but she is represented by a gallery in Tennessee. And uh, we talked a lot about her agreement. And, um, and I basically took the pieces that I liked and used them and then took the pieces that I didn't like um, or didn't think really, you know, was a great fit for my current gallery space. They're a much larger gallery. They like literally every, every show she has, any pieces that don't sell, they store to continue to sell for her. I don't have that. So, you know, I can't offer that. I'm like, your show's over, please come get your stuff. I have no space. Um, Immediately. I would guess that most of it comes from building relationships or being sought after, after, um, you know, reaching some sort of milestone or feature or whatever. Um, I don't really know, but 
I, I would be open to taking submissions for represented artists in the future. Um, just because I also like that buy-in, you know, like if you're submitting for this, then hopefully, and this is certainly not true, if you've ever looked at any submissions for anything ever, hopefully you've read and understood most of what's being asked of you. Um, and so you know what you're kind of like offering or buying into, whereas like Damien and Jennifer were just like living their lives. And I'm like, do you want to do this big thing next year? You know, and that could be like, hell yeah. Or like, oh, I was not like <laughs> mentally prepared for a big thing, you know, like their solo shows, they had to put a lot of money into it. A lot of time. Um, you know, it's not a cheap thing. It's not, it's not a cheap thing to be asked to do this, especially as someone um, at my level of gallery where I'm like, Hey, come and do this. And I can offer you a whole bunch of things, but I can offer you no money, um, outside of like our splits and stuff, but yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> Basically. I don't know. Yeah, that's what answers it. I love it. I love, yeah, I love that idea that it could go either way, that it could be the invitation for represented artists or it could be a application process. Yeah. Do you ever, uh, what, if someone, if someone approached you with representation, uh, what would you, what would you think? I would be like, how would that work as a performance, like as a performance-based artist? I mean, if, if you got approached in the same way that I structure it for my artists, I think it would basically be like your, like, let's say it was for a one year period. Um, I would imagine that it would result in like a run of performances and then you would get various opportunities throughout the year um, to perform. And my, my agreement with Damien Jennifer too, is basically if someone comes to me and is like, Hey, do you have an artist that you would suggest for whatever, a mural, a, you know, a custom piece of work uh, for whatever, like my agreement with them is that as long as it is actually a good fit, like Jennifer doesn't want to do murals, but Damien does, like, then I suggest them first. I'm not like, oh yeah, this painter and this, like, I lead with them. Like they are my, they are my like top two players, you know? So I think that would also potentially be given to you, like whatever opportunities there are, if I'm, if we're a part of an art fair, if we're part of whatever, like we push you and your programming first. Yeah, I would, if anyone does want to represent me, I, I would love to see what that looks like. She's very expensive. Yes. Have you seen my costuming? It's very expensive. <laughs> I think it could be a really, a really cool opportunity. And I don't know. Um, I mean, there's talent agencies and that's kind of the same thing, right? Um, where they, they work for you. And I think it's, I think it's always good. Mm, that seems too big. I think it can be really beneficial to have someone who's like always on your team and always championing, championing you and your work. Um, but lots of people get taken advantage of, or, you know, I mean, I was in the acting biz for so long and you really think that getting an agent is like ugh, the deal. And then they're like, I don't know, I haven't heard from my agent in six months, you know? So I think it's all, it's kind of trial and error and standing up for yourself and making sure you like trust the people. Like if anyone, if you ever sit down in a meeting and you're like, I don't really care for this person, or I think they're a little strange, get out, get out, get out. You have to deal with them for at least a year. Like, do you want to deal with that strangeness for a year? No. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I totally, I would like, 
I think it'd be really cool to be represented by a gallery because you'd be provided essentially with space and and a built-in audience. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hope. (laughs) I I don't think a lot of galleries have tons of programming budget for that or are thinking that way. But I, I was just talking to Melissa about this yesterday. Um, how there's not a lot of like residency opportunities in Chicago for local artists. There's yeah. like studio space and there's gallery calls, but there's not a lot of like residencies. Um, so you have to like go away and come back. And I think there's like, there's ones that people go to or schools that people go to that are close by that feel notorious and like really beautiful. But at the same time, I'm like, how are there people being grown through? I mean, there's mentorship, like we talked about in the last episode with Alma about having gallery. Um, but there's not a lot of just like time, space and money and resources for creating with like a clear show or propeller to kind of take you somewhere. So, yeah. Well, and I wonder how much of that has to do with like our city's specific, uh, ethos around money, like as far as like awarding creative spaces money. Um, and this is, this is definitely going to be shared with very little knowledge, but you know, when I, so during quarantine, when I was building out the board process, um, and had a fiscal sponsor, which if folks don't know what a fiscal sponsor is, essentially it's an organization that is an established nonprofit that lends its nonprofit status to another organization that does not have that nonprofit status. Hmm. Uh, Every, every nonprofit should do this. It is painless. It, it changes the life of the organization that you're sharing it with. And really all it requires of you is a bunch of paperwork gathering to share it with that org. Uh, But it allows, so I, I got fiscal sponsorship from this group called Obvi, um, who is a story-based telling group that I uh, knew through the original Martin space. And so I reached out to them and I'm like, hey, I have this like literary and visual art organization that I'm not seeking nonprofit status for, for uh, nonprofit status for right now, um, just because it's so much work and it's like we're in quarantine. So I can't even like get together with people like I just don't want to do it. But I do want to start raising money for these these micro grants that I want to uh, that I want to um, give to these artists. And so they were kind enough to be my fiscal sponsor for a year. Um, and I got to apply for grants, but so many of my applications were either denied or like I would get halfway through them and, and realize that I can't submit for them because so many of them were like, you cannot ask for money to then give directly to the artists. Like it has to be used for materials or for rentals or for whatever. And so like, I could not get a grant to pay a grant, you know, um, which I guess kind of makes sense, but it's also like, you're just giving me opportunity to like give more opportunity to other artists. Like that's what I was trying to pitch it as, but, um, I got exactly zero grants doing that. So I don't know that it's exactly the same with residencies, but I wonder, you know, like, because, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's a ton of different types of residencies. It's a whole nother episode, but, um, I wonder if it has to do with that. Yeah. And like we talked about last week about the displacement of the arts in Chicago, that there isn't a lot of funding. So I want, yeah, you're so right that it could be the infrastructure of our city. We gotta, we gotta change that. 
Well, I mean, it's a good, it's, it's always good to notice the lack, right? Because that's, if that's what people want, like that's what people need. But also like, I also think there's an argument of like, is it super valuable to have a residency in your own city or is it more valuable to have a residency elsewhere and bring that knowledge, skill share, different perspective back with you into, into that environment? You know, like if I built a residency, I would almost want, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if, <clears throat> I don't know. It's an interesting thing to, to think about, like, would it be more beneficial for Chicago-based artists um, who are already kind of in the scene or bringing in somebody from outside of it and being like, here's what our art scene is like, you know, like I kind of feel like that might be more valuable. But I wonder too, if having local artists stay within the city to create gives them more, like you have more flexibility to keep your job and to not have to be a full-time working artist to, to have the qualifications of a residency. I think that's the other thing is if you want to be a resident somewhere, you have to take time off of work or quit your job or be flexible enough to have that kind of time and space. Right. Whereas if it was in your hometown, you could either take a break from your current studio and get in a new studio to kind of have a new four walls to work with and a new gallery to be in. Um, but yeah, I have so many dreams around this so we can keep, we can keep, keep you do about it. Yeah. This is a big, I know it's a big dream for you. Well, I think CAC, you know, they have their curatorial and their, uh, visual artist uh, residencies. They're, the hatch, the curatorial residency is open right now, um, which means that what's the artist one called? Hatch and Bolt. Um, Bolt should be opening shortly after, or I think it opens like right, right before Hatch closes. I know they're like around the same time, but um, that's a great, that's a great um, opportunity. We saw the, the residency shows um, a couple months ago and we went to Chicago Artists Coalition together. That was awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to see what comes of the new batch of people. Cohort, yeah, for sure. The new cohort. And the last kind of one that we wrote down that we thought about was like juried shows that are juried competitions, kind of where you submit. They're a little bit pay to play where you kind of throw in money and then the prize money is bigger. I have no experience with this. So okay, I've applied, I've only applied to a couple. So like when I lived in South Carolina, there was the jury competition at the York County Arts Council. And so basically you pay like, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 bucks, 30 bucks for so many entries. And then they put your work into a show and then a, a set of jurors, jurors that show. And there's like a first, second, third prize and you get a beautiful trophy and some kind of monetary compensation. Hmm. And I've also seen in the same town, Friday Arts Project has a call that's going to close by the time this comes out, but uh, their calls open in this very moment as we are recording. <laughs> um, so get and, in your time travel box and, and go to, go in the past. Go in the past and then apply. But basically it's an, it's called Art Party and it's a, it's an art festival, like a three or four day art festival. And they have a trade competition within the city and all of the trade pieces are in different businesses across the town. Um, and then there's like a pretty, like a $1,500 prize for the first place winner. Wow. What are your feelings about that? I think it can create animosity. I don't like competition just can sometimes create like, like who, who can tell 
it's just so I don't even know what I like it's so subjective like what art deserves the best monetary price yeah um I think it's cool to see what's around the county in those places I've never really seen I don't think juried shows are like a lot of artists I don't think are like super it seems like what you do when you're kind of starting out or when that's kind of the only opportunity to get into these places like the arts council uh but I've never worked so closely like when I lived in Boston or here in Chicago like I don't know what the arts council of Chicago is doing Mm -hmm. or if they're even what are they doing are they even doing anything are you out there these are the hard-hitting questions (laughs) um yeah so I I think they're I think they're a cool resume builder. I think if you have the financial means to get in them and have great work and can play to the jurors, then maybe you can get some money. Capitalism, baby, let's go, you know? I mean, we did, we we had an aspect of this in Locus, um, but nobody paid to be in the show. It Everyone submitted to be in the show and then... We did end up ultimately developing these micro grants, which really I just took a portion of the ticket sales and donate and direct donations um, and put it toward this micro grant program. Um, and then I made the board decide. So um, I, I basically said, listen, I'm curating these artists in. So I'm not I can't I can't decide all of it. Otherwise, that's like a weird game that Whitney is playing with this show. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I was always in on all the board meetings. So we, we had a, it was a quarterly show. I can't believe we, oh my God, I, I just like can't believe we did it quarterly. But then again, most of it was done during quarantine. So it is what it is. But you sat in on at least one of the board meetings, right? Yeah, one or two. Yeah. And so we would sit down with the board and we had, it was eight members, four who represented the literary arts and four who represented the uh, visual arts and we talked through each of the pieces and it was majority rules. I think for every Locus show, we picked two micro grant recipients um, and then the board, and then we had a board member representative uh, who would um, present the, the micro grants and basically say, this is, this is why, why the board chose your work. Um, You know, so our, I don't, we gave out like, well, we, I mean, we had some, some big prizes. We gave out a residency to stay home gallery. Um, they partnered with, with us, which was awesome. Um, and then a few monetary prizes, which was like 200 bucks. So, um, you know, most of the time it was, it was really received with open arms. Um, I only had a couple of people who were basically like, oh, are you turning Locus into a competition? And I'm like, no, this is just the start. Like I truly wanted, and if I ever find the bandwidth to revive Locus, like, I would truly want to reward every single person who is involved in the show with something because it's such a it's such a complex show and such a big ask. Um, but this is what I could give back, and so for asking them to do all of this this labor and me offering nothing um, other than for the first like two years, if they sold a work, they got a hundred percent of the profit. Um, I, you know, I wanted, I wanted to, to help try to put money in artists' pockets. So now that I think about it, I guess it is a little bit like that, but, um, but it's different where it's like, you don't have to pay to submit. I think right. that changes the game a little bit where there's this kind of equal. Yeah. Buy-in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, as you can see here, there's just, there's just so many, so many different ways. I mean, 
I love, I love curating group shows. I think it's just so exciting to watch the submissions come in and then go through the whole process um, and the opportunity to meet so many new artists. Uh, the Martin is going to close with a group show this year across November and December. I'm not totally sure what the theme is going to be just yet, but uh, if you're listening out there, please submit whenever, whenever it goes up, the submissions are not open, please. Um, but you know, that's, that's like my favorite. I, you know, it, of course it's satisfying to be like, Hey, will you individual do this thing? But group shows are just, they're special. They really are. Yeah. And when you get to talk about the color story and like what it looks like to go from piece to piece and room to room, especially in the Martin where you kind of get to like, what's the show stoppers and like the ones that get, you know, these certain walls and look good on these other walls. And it's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that, but yeah. So tell us your thoughts on what you like to submit to, um, what you, what you want to see more of. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's, so there's an endless amount of way to put together shows. Um, you know, and these are just a few that we threw out as kind of maybe the most common or the most that we have our experiences with right now, but maybe we'll do a follow-up episode in the future when we have even more experience under our belts. A hundred percent. Cool. Cool. It, should we transition? Out? Sorry that I shouted out so many things before it was time. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is our show. There are no rules. Um, you want to kick it off? Sure. I have one shout out this week. So um, I just finished a book that I loved. And so it's been a few weeks since I've given a shout out to a book, uh, but it's called Dead Silence by S.A. Barnes. Yeah, I know. Look at those eyebrows. I see them. Um, so like space books and horror books are like not usually my jam, but uh, I listen to exactly one reading based podcast. It's called the Reading Glasses Podcast. And Bria Grant, uh, who is a famous actress and filmmaker, is one of the co-hosts for the shows. And she recommended this book as one of the best books, uh, the new books of 2022 that she's read so far. And it sounded interesting. So I got it. And it was so scary and so well written. Sometimes I think horror books can be really like, I don't know. It's just usually not my jam. And I was so interested this morning on Instagram. I said it was like Titanic meets uh, 2001 Space Odyssey meets Sixth Sense. So it's like ghosts and spirits and I'm seeing dead people, but I'm also seeing alive people. Also, is this a hazy memory? Um, you're in space, luxury spaceship where everybody killed each other. What happened? You know, like pretty cool. So very graphic, pretty violent. Um but if you if that doesn't really stop you from it, um, I would save it for your Halloween times because it is a really creepy read. But shout out to uh, S.A. Barnes, who also is an Illinois resident. Um, she has has published a bunch of children's books or like YA books under, uh, I think, her given name. And this is a new pen name, so she doesn't cross those two uh those two lines, but very talented. So excited to see where her career goes next in this realm, but highly recommend it. Dead silence. That's awesome. Yeah. You big reader. You. I do my best. I would love to shout out The Well in Austin. It's a incredible vegan, paleo, gluten-free restaurant. Um, Just leaves. That all of our 
Yeah, just leaves. They had the best like squash mushroom situation that was this sauce. It was just incredible. And they had like beet salad and Brussels sprouts that were really good. And (laughs) it was just amazing food. Uh, So shout out to them and shout out to voguing. I just think that people should vogue more and get into voguing. And it's a beautiful art that we all should know more about. So shout out to the Vogers out there. Oh yeah. Did you watch um, Pose on FX? Oh, but I need to. It's incredible. It's incredible. I have not seen the the final season. Um, I think it had like around when it came out, which I think is this year, maybe end of last year. Um, it had not hit the streaming services that I currently am a part of, but Pose is a beautiful show. And if you if you want your voguing uh, history done beautifully and right, also if you want your heart broken, get get to watching it. I might I might just have to. What streaming services is it on? Well, it's an FX show, so but I watched it. I think on Netflix, but I think FX might have been like Netflix. I, we don't really want to share this th- with you anymore. So I haven't looked in a while, but if you find it, let me know. Okay. I'm sure no matter what, you can purchase it on Amazon. (laughs) Truly. Yeah. Great. Well, this was great. Thanks for uh, listening to us talk sort of on topic around curatorial practices um, and muse about other things. It's always a pleasure to chat with you, Denissa. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Throwing some around, peeking the audio. Um, you are an icon. Back at you. All right. Well, let's do this again sometime soon. Yes. And drop your comments. Smash the like and subscribe. Smash it. All right. And we'll see you it. soon. Bye. Bye.